The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. A win is a win in the NFL. But the Ravens made this one as little enjoyable an experience as possible. This week, on Pod Like a Raven. Goodness. It wasn't fun. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. But the Ravens, with a double-digit victory at home, Taking care of business, seven and three. This is Antonio Barbera. I think most listeners know this at this point, but I I live in the D.C. area. Uh, used to be in Baltimore, grew up in Baltimore my whole life, and then now I'm in D.C. professionally. And every so often, two or three times a year, the Ravens game will get blacked out in D.C. if the commies are on at the same time and on the same channel. Happens rarely, happens every so often, happened this weekend. So it was blacked out in D.C., so I had to go to a bar to watch it. But really, the moral of this very long story is this game should have been blacked out everywhere in the country, including Baltimore, including Carolina. Nobody needed to watch it. We could have just gotten the, like, 1930s telegram win successful uh, 10 points more for the home team. Ravens 7-3, and three, and that would have been fine. I would have been more comfortable. Instead, I had to watch it. I had to just sit there and watch it, as did my co-host. Let me bring him in. On the West Coast, Jay Sevens, uh, you know, obviously the blackout rules apply differently for you out there on the West Coast, but you, you had to watch it, I guess. You, you figured a way to watch it. Yeah, I, I paid money to watch this. NFL Sunday ticket. Uh, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money to watch this game uh, on the whole. Um, yeah, um... Antonio, are the real Ravens back? Awful, awful offense. Just disgr- a disgraceful performance on offense that we'll get into. Dominant defense. It was tough, though. I think this was my least favorite game of the year. Like, <laughs> top to bottom. I, I enjoyed the process. I Because even the, these blown leads, as mad as that make me, those made me. And I wasn't that mad uh, on Sunday, which is maybe worse. I think I was way more just apathetic about what was happening. I made peace with what this game was almost immediately when they come out their first drive and don't attempt a single run and punt. And I just go, oh boy, <laughs> this, Gus Edwards isn't there. We'll get into that. I, I, I think I just knew what I had signed up for. But until basically midway through the fourth quarter, this was a, a largely unbearable experience. I, I did not enjoy it. Um, you're right. A win's a win. And it was redeemed a little bit, which we'll get into. But, oh man, that was tough. That was really tough. Uh, the only thing worse than watching this game on television would be uh, having to go there in person and just sit there and, and, and have it happen to them. On the East Coast, Tim Horsey, the only thing I'll say, Tim, to introduce you is, was the was the defensive performance enough to make it fun? Or was it just still, just, why? Ooh. Uh, no, to answer shortly. Um, the defense was fun. We'll talk about it. But yeah, uh, I got to go to this game. Um 
you know, I have some family friends that once every uh, once a year, probably it's a, hey, someone doesn't want to go because it's too cold out. Do you want this ticket? Buy a round of beers. And I basically say, thank you so much for considering me. Absolutely. I don't get to see the Ravens that often. I should have said no. Uh, I didn't realize when I accepted the ticket that it was just how cold it was going to be. It was pretty much 30 degrees all day. Uh, froze through every single layer of, of clothes that I got, and there was nothing exciting um, to to warm me up, as it were. I guess the defense a little bit, but as one man in the Ravens urinal said around the mid-third quarter when I was in there um, just trying to escape this game, I didn't come here to sit in the cold and watch field goals, and that's kind of how I felt, and I think that's how the entire fan base felt. We'll get into it later. It was a drab experience. Um, the Ravens keep trying to sell that they have one of the best atmospheres in the league. Uh, no, they don't, especially not not in that game, at least. It was – nobody was up for it till the very end. It was, it was not uh, particularly full, especially at the beginning. And overall, a miserable experience. The, the only two pieces of, um, I guess, solace that I can take is, one – in my professional job, I have been so busy covering the World Cup that I kind of sort of forget what happened in this game. I think I've just blacked out uh, on Monday as we record, uh, so that's, that's great for a podcast. I'm sure some of, it will, some of it will come back as we go. And two, I did sit 16 rows up on the 30-yard line right behind the bench. So the seats were magnificent, um, and again, thanks for, thanks for those. But God, that just sucked. All of it. Just a suck fest of suck, suckery suck. Uh, that we get to talk about now, so that's great. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you. I, I know you appreciated the tickets, but I'm hoping the person who gave them to you in the end bought you a round of drinks <laughs> as opposed to you buying them a round of drinks. But yeah, I was watching this uh, with some Patriots fans, so we had both games on next to each oh, other. Jesus. And in the middle, in the middle of the second quarter, after like there hadn't been a lot of points in either game, I I kind of jokingly said. You know, let's the gauntlet thrown down to whichever game can get a touchdown first, regardless of team. And that ended up holding up for like two and a half hours for both games, where it was just seemingly three to three and six to three forever. But to speak on the Ravens, we can do some good things first. Let's let's talk about some good things. Let's have some fun. Uh, and the good stuff is the defense. The Panthers, in my opinion, three hours never really looked like scoring. I think they had one drive where Mayfield had like a 20-yard completion that was a well-thrown ball. And then everything else was ugly. It was two yards on the ground, negative yards on the ground, Mayfield getting sacked, Mayfield throwing interceptions. Um, the Ravens did a phenomenal job limiting Donta Foreman. That was a point that we made last week about how if they were going to have any chance, he was going to have to have success. He had 11 carries for 24 yards, totaling a 2.2-yard average. And that included one of the runs that went for 10 yards. So outside of that, it was 10 carries for 14 yards, which is the defensive performance that we have now come to expect. Um, pass rush got there, four sacks, pass deflections that we talked about, interceptions, fumbles. Guys, this defense is for real. I don't care that it was Baker Mayfield. I don't care that it was the Panthers at home. Holding any NFL team to three points is a statement. The Ravens have stacked a couple of really, really nice performances in a row. Roquan Smith looks amazing. He makes Patrick Queen look amazing. There's so many good things going for this defense. 
I'm not going to say is this team Super Bowl caliber, because my goodness, but is this defense Super Bowl caliber after this performance? Uh, 100%. Yeah, I think the defense is legit. I mean, off-air, off quote-unquote, Jace was joking that the Ravens are back. The offense is absolutely diabolical, and the defense is going to win games, you know, 13-3, which was the exact score of this game. As, as Ray Lewis famously <laughs> said in 2000, get us 10 points, we'll win this game. Kind of feels like that a little bit, uh, even in today's modern NFL. I think there's a couple of things here. Um, the scheme and what Mike, um, Mike McDonald has done has been incredible. Um, I think the we've talked about it over and over and over again. The ability to dial up pressure in particular moments and get it from different people and different angles uh, is has been really commendable. Uh, there was another corner blitz with Marlon Humphrey that really screwed up Baker Mayfield. Matabike and Calais Campbell getting after the pass, uh, the, the passer. J- Jason Pierre-Paul as well. Um, I think that, you know, four sacks, seven quarterback hits, and that doesn't even really do it justice how much they were in the backfield all day. Uh, something you love to see. Uh, Patrick Queen, we got to give him his flowers, uh, as, as the cool hip kids are saying. Roquan Smith in the middle of that offense has freed up Patrick Queen to just do what he does best. And I've said it a couple times here on this podcast, but – he doesn't have to overthink. He's just using his speed and his athleticism to make plays, clean stuff up, be a violent, violent hitter at the point of attack, um, and not, you know, again, overthink things because he doesn't have to be the middle linebacker leader of this defense. He finished 12 tackles, a half a sack, nine of them solo, a quarterback hit, one tackle for loss as well on a play that Roquan made, and then Queen cleans up on the running back. He has been exceptional since the trade. Um, absolutely stellar in these couple of games uh, alongside Roquan. And then Kyle Hamilton as well, I just want to point out. Uh, a couple plays Kyle Hamilton made, two of them on screen passes, where he basically doesn't make the tackle, uh, but one of them he did, he did hold the guy up. But usually just knowing his job and not trying to overcomplicate things of – putting his shoulder into the lead blocker of the screen, completely wiping out any block and realizing that he's going to have help on the back end to make the play. Uh, This comes from Spencer Schultz on Twitter. PFF, which, you know, has its flaws, but PFF has graded Kyle Hamilton as the 15th best defender, regardless of position in the NFL this season. 15th best defender in the National Football League. Now, again, I don't think that's exactly true, um, but the... The concerns that we had for him early are no longer to be found. And I think a lot of that is because they have figured out a way to use him and gradually bring him up through the game and then finally kind of use him in more packages late in the season that you hope in year two he kind of becomes the full starter that takes the absolute leap. So a couple guys I wanted to point out there. But, yeah, the defense, man. We're back to the stage of our fandom where when they're out on the field, I'm not nearly as concerned as when the team that has the football is out on the field. I feel the exact same way, Tim, and I think that's why this game is so frustrating because, you know, even though that's the Ravens that we've spent 95% of our lives with where we feel more comfortable with the defense on the field, it it was nice in the early Lamar era to escape from, from, from that reality. But, yeah, this game, I mean... This is the, the fewest points uh, they've ever scored in a win with Lamar, 13-3 uh, thir- victory. I mean, they were just dominant, and I think that's what kept me from completely freaking out and getting super bad at this game was just – I'm with what, what you said, Antonio. I never th- felt like the Panthers were really going to score ever, <laughs> really. And that's, and that's, like, why 
I, I was so frustrated with the offense, but just to stay on the defense for just a second, I mean, you give up 63 yards in the first half. Pretty, pretty good. That'll do it. And they gave up just 205 for the game. A lot of that in garbage time, even a few jump balls to Terrace Marshall that Brandon Stevens mistimed most uh, prominently. Um, but just 205 yards overall, it's the lowest, lowest amount of yards they've given up on the season. Uh, and they're now up to 15th in yards against and 10th in points after, you know, they cratered early in the season. They were 32nd, I believe, in both categories. So just to see the improvement they've made week over week has been been really impressive. And you mentioned, like, the, the, the interceptions late. I believe PFF had Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as, like, the two highest-graded cornerbacks this week. Um, they were dominant, and it's been good. I know we, we gave... I want to just shout out Marlon in particular because I think we got on him pretty good and I think somewhat justifiably because, like, he should be, like, the leader of this defense. He's the, long, like, I think the second longest tenured guy on, like, the whole team, maybe beyond third, I think, behind, like, Ronnie Stanley and um, uh, Justin Tucker. So it's like, he's been here forever and sh- he should be the leader and, you know, I think there's some things he does on social media we thought were kind of clownish, I guess, to... Um, but he's been really impressive with his play lately, and, and I think he stepped up in a big way, so I think he should be commended for that. Uh, after he admittedly said it was like it, they, their performance wasn't um, acceptable enough. And and the defense is the only thing that um, redeemed this game for me. Uh, I, I, you know, it was those those sacks on Baker late, the Clayus Campbell one where he just drills them, uh, and, you know, the, the sacks late, the two interceptions – that made the game fun because um, otherwise this was going to be an unfun game. But uh, yeah, I think the defense let them win, but they're, they're the only, they're the only redeeming quality for me in this game. It's the only time I think I experienced joy uh, on Sunday was, was late in the fourth quarter when they were just teeing off on Baker, beating up on Baker and picking him off. It seemed like it was the Carolina game plan, even with the run game struggling was, if it stays close, we want everything conservative. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want Baker to even try to push the ball downfield. And then when it got to the point in the fourth quarter where they had to have points and he had to push it a little bit, all of a sudden that's when, first of all, the seven-step drops started to happen, and that's where the turnovers came from. That's where the batted balls came from, the interceptions, when they forced him into a pocket passer, like stretch-the-field pocket passer, which is exactly what we said last week. If he, didn't, if he couldn't work off the play action and the quick stuff... Um, Mayfield was going to struggle, and he absolutely did. We almost had the uh, the rare game. You talk about old school Raven football. Almost had the game where the Ravens' defense scored more points than the opposition's <laughs> offense. If the refs would have just allowed the Marcus Peters strip sack to, you know, maybe play it out, maybe see how the play ends up, and then and then blow the whistle later. Uh, but Tim, no. I'm, I'm curious how that play looked in the stadium, because it was so obvious it was a fumble live. Yes. I couldn't believe, A, that they ruled it not a fumble initially, and then they huddled up and said, oh, it is a fumble. And it's like, great, why'd you blow it dead? I was losing my mind at that, Antonio. That was, And I knew, I had such little faith in the offense at that point. I believe I texted you all, we're not going to score here. Luckily they did, but I was like, this is our chance to get points, and freaking Jerome Boger botched yet another, his crew botched yet another call. So, remember when I said that there was a guy screaming in the bathroom? It was at this moment. Uh, so, I didn't see this, actually. Um, but I got back and was talking with the people that I went to the game with. And, yeah, they all kind of said the same thing. To be honest, it was just the epitome. And I'll just do this now and we can get it out of the way. That Boger crew, I mean, 
even in like the, the bad calls, right? And we all know this. We've seen this. And and the you know the Grady Jarrett phantom roughing the passer on Tom Brady was his crew. The week later, they do the same thing. That's absolutely horrendous. So you know about the bad calls if you're watching on TV. What you don't understand in the stadium, they just completely muck up and slow down the play because they can't get little things like the clock right. Like they're every single every single time that either offense was like in rhythm, they're ready to snap the ball, and all of a sudden a whistle comes in because they forgot to set the play clock, or like the clock isn't running when it's supposed to, or like they have to wait, have a conference about something. They don't tell anybody what they're talking about, and then just are like, oh wait, now you can keep going. It was it's horrendous. It's like watching like five year olds try and ref an NFL football game. It's that bad, it, and and. The entire time I'm sitting there, um, I'm sitting there with with the people I went with, and I'm like, you know, and the offense was really bad, and we'll talk about them, but they had no hope of getting any sort of rhythm because you couldn't because every third play, Boger and his crew screw something up and they stop it. It's just in the stadium, man. By the end, people are getting on them like you wouldn't believe. Like every little stoppage is like, what are you guys doing? Let the game breathe. Like. Figure it out was essentially the message the entire time. And, yeah, that that was just beyond frustrating uh, with 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 Boger and that entire crew. But for that moment, yeah, I didn't see it. But basically what you said is what everybody said. Like, on those plays, you always let them go because that if it's a touchdown, it's a touchdown. So why why are we not doing that here? <laughs> yeah. And it automatically reviewed. Then there was the – I totally we're talking about. I completely forgot just the, the fun – 10 minutes they took to determine that the Ravens couldn't review something. Oh my God. That, that was the one that was the one that people <laughs> lost it. That's what, they, frankly, that's kind of when the stadium woke up because they were like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what are we doing that, here? That was insane. And just before we flip to the offense, it will, we should say their best drive of the day was derailed basically by what appeared to be a phantom face mask call on Morgan Moses. Uh, he touches the face mask. He never grasped it. The defensive lineman fell down. I can understand how that happens, but... Then you hear Moses, by the way. Do you hear Moses? I don't know. Did you guys hear this on the call? (laughs) Yeah, they picked it up on the mic a little bit. Yeah, so you pick it up on the mic with Boger, and Boger, he's yelling at him first, like, there wasn't a penalty. There wasn't a penalty, and you can hear Moses because he's screaming at Boger. Boger then goes, face mask. And and Moses goes, face mask? Like, what what are you talking (laughs) about? Baby holding, it's just... That crew... And I know that they're like, well, they can't just let him go now, what have you. It has to be reassessed, and those those guys cannot be allowed to work next season because it's just it's just unwatchable, you know. I'll be you know outside of all the other stuff that the Ravens are, <laughs> they make it really that much worse. Yeah, I'm not a blame the refs guy, but this was I think the worst showing by a ref crew, and certainly in a Ravens game we've watched this season. For those of you who uh, play craps at a casino, there's the joke about when somebody's on a, a good roll. The casino sends somebody to go just break up the rhythm of the shooter so that they stop winning money. The cooler. Uh, and that was the ref, the the team of refs for this game, for both offenses. Just, you want to get a rhythm going? Watch this. Watch watch us just kind of take the air out of the, out of the ball so that we can figure out whether the clock should be running or not. So, yeah. Fortunately, uh, the only fortunate thing for the Ravens in this game, after that missed fumble call... The only offensive play that was really good, uh, <laughs> Kenyon Drake immediately takes a 29 yards uh, inside the Carolina 5. They turn that into a touchdown, and at 13-3, to it was kind of 
wow, this, this game is over. Um, the only other positive that I have, at least for the offensive side, um, Demarcus Robinson. His best game as a Raven, eight, uh, I believe it's eight catches for a, a buck 28, somewhere in there. It might be even nine, nine catches, yeah, nine, nine catches for 128. For 128. Uh, he was a necessity in this game for the Ravens. He moved the chains on third down. He got, had some yards after the catch plays. He had a big catch at the end of the first half that got them into field goal range. Um, it's the Mark Andrews show in the passing game. We know that, but we need wide receivers. We need somebody to step up. Deshaun Jackson, no idea how many snaps he's going to play for this team in the end. Devin DuVernay, you always kind of want him more involved. He hasn't really been making a ton of plays, at least getting a lot of catches. James Prochet, my goodness. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him up again because I, I don't want to just sort of skirt over it quickly here. We're going to talk about him in the negative uh, portion of this episode, but he's obviously not been a factor at all. It would be very nice if Robinson could become wide receiver one. We don't need him to have nine, ten catches a game for this offense, but we do need him to have five or six. We do need him to move the chains when these teams are constantly double-teaming Andrews in December and January. So a good flash from him in this game. And that's the only other positive that I have as we turn to the offensive train wreck. Lamar Jackson missed practice on Friday for uh, an illness. And then maybe it turned out that he may not actually have been sick. He may have been with family. He may have a new, what is it, niece uh, via Instagram. That part is not really clear. But he then actually looked sick to me. He looked like someone who was a bit slower than normal, a bit lethargic, uh, was getting tackled around the ankles more often than we ever see in a football game. Uh, as the offense struggled, he had a couple of his classic trying-too-hard plays, taking sacks instead of throwing the ball away, or getting sacked and then trying to throw the ball away and almost leading to disaster. Um, really bad for me. For him... Really bad with the running game. Obviously, scoring 13 points was, you know, is indicative of how this offense played. But just, I want to blame the refs again <laughs> for the sluggishness. But what is going on with this offense? The Carolina defense, pretty good. They're not that good. They're not that good on the road. What is happening? What is wrong with this offense? Well, the weirdest thing was just their inability to run the ball in this game and like I think I mentioned they didn't even attempt to run on their first drive which I think kind of set a tone but we, we go into this game with the idea that Gus Edwards is going to be there and then he's not but then you say oh well they played pretty well with Kenyon Drake he was as you said until that long run which was 29 of his 41 yards on that one uh on that one sequence the rest I believe he had 17 other yards right on nine other carries it was just nothing. They were getting nothing from the ground game. And it's very concerning, given that the Panthers, I think, were 25th in the NFL against the run entering this game. They were not a good run defense. Uh, they were in the bottom 10. And, and the first quarter, 10, 10 yards on six carries, and all of those yards were from Lamar Jackson's scrambles and runs. And they were just doing nothing on the ground. And it was very confusing, as you said, against a, a Panthers defense... Like, maybe they just keyed everything on stopping the run. But then that points to 
concerns, and even our positive Demarcus Robinson, you know, leading in and Andrews, they had 191 yards of the Ravens' 208 yards. They're or 209 passing yards. They had 191 of them. So it's they're so reliant on so few people, um, in all phases of the game, really, and because the running game, I think, with Edwards out, you're leaning on Lamar. It, was, it, it started with not being able to run the ball, and I, I, I think just dovetailed from there. But it was it was just brutal to watch. I mean, you said it. They're only TD drive, two plays, 31 yards after a defensive turnover. It was nothing sustained. They had seven punts. It, it, it was just really, really ugly. And, yeah, I think it starts without being unable to run and just continues into their lack of weapons, either Lamar's lack of faith in the weapons. And then I'm with you, too. I mean, the fact that I don't know if he was sick. As you said, that, that was a big a big source of debate on Ravens Twitter uh, unnecessarily. I don't know. Maybe you should uh, – you can't trust what the team says with any of the regarding injuries anymore. But, um, like, just the fact that, like, every even, like, two-second stoppage, it was like, got to get the big coat on them. And I was like, it's cold, but, like, do you need to do, like, the, the 80 – keep you 80 degrees uh, deep Antarctic parka – <laughs> like as an NFL player and it was every single stoppage they were draping it on him so I don't know if he was sick or not it was weird all his passes were basically to the right side of the field he ba- like didn't throw to the left he missed screens again I don't think any quarterback in the NFL completes less screens than Lamar Jackson <laughs> um, it, it was just a disaster and I'm rambling but yeah it starts with the inability to run and I think just dovetailed to every single facet of the offense on Sunday I mean, I, I don't I don't have any disagreements with, with Jace here. It just seemed it just seemed off. And I th- I think the one that I, I'm not gonna I frankly I'm not really gonna go much longer because I think you kinda nailed all of it. Um the big thing for me is that the point there about having so few people to rely on is so key. Kenyon Drake and Demarcus Robinson are your lead running back and lead receiver for this game. That should tell you all you need to know. Um and Lamar clearly was bad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be one of these Lamar. You know, truthers is the wrong word, would have you. But just one of these people that's like, oh well, he can't. He can't do it by himself. He can't do it by himself. Sure, but he should also be able to execute even like a little bit. Uh, it seemed like they kept running the same run plays right into a wall of defenders over and over again. Just like the little off tackle handoff play to Kenyon Drake that went any that didn't go anywhere. Um, it's just a massive concern because. It, they're not getting Rashad Bateman back. Isaiah likely is 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 hot and cold at best as a rookie, and whatever you can't really expect that much from him anyway. D- Deshaun Jackson's not going to play again. Like he'll, he'll play a little bit, but he's going to get another hamstring. So it's going to be Demarcus Robinson, Mark Andrews, and 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 the like trying to do it for the rest of the the season. Devin Duvernay, you know, one catch I believe. Let's see, one rush for. Th- four yards and one catch for three yards and that's supposed to be your second receiver at the start of the year so it's just not good enough from anybody it really isn't i saw a couple of tweets about uh deshaun jackson not playing and then also gus edwards not playing because they're dealing with uh like muscle issues and it was really cold and so they were concerned about the cold impact then you can't play in the national football league that can't be the temperature dropping to 40 can't be a disqualifier for a professional football player who otherwise is ready to go and could play in a game. It's so frustrating. It's no, it's late November, and we still haven't gotten these big 
pieces back or they've been in and out of the lineup. Um, one day, I guess, one day, we will have a fully healthy team. It'll probably be in March uh, when everybody will be healthy at their homes in warmer climates, not dealing with the cold. Uh, and it's frustrating, and it's getting frustrating because we're supposed to be adding pieces and getting healthier and healthier and hitting a stretch run, and it's going the opposite, where this team is so out of sync because from one series to the next, offensively, there's three different starters than there were to start the game or than there were the week before. And if you don't get cohesion soon, then there is no point of having 17 games before playoffs to get into a rhythm and have an identity and be in sync with all your players because they've all been different guys every other week. And as Tim mentioned, Kenyon Drake is not the answer uh, for this running game. Running game. Would love to see Edwards back. He had a minor tweak. It was two, two weeks past. He practiced all week. And no, uh, it's a little it's a little brisk, so like maybe he can't maybe he can't go this yeah. week. Uh, and it's frustrating. But I'm gonna yeah, turn okay. to Jace. I, I know you're gonna jump in, but I wanna ask you this question first and then keep going with whatever else you want to say. Um, one of the spiciest texts ever sent in the in the, the thread, uh, and I wanna bring it up because I know Jace didn't really mean it, but it's still too good. So Jace, can Lamar Jackson play well in cold weather? Uh, he hasn't done it for several years. Playoff games, they tend to be cold, and that's when he struggled. This is the second season in a row where the first six games of the season went much better than the next six. Uh, oh, boy. What have you uh, What have you uncovered here? I'll just jump yeah, in real just... quick. Sorry. I'll just jump in real quick. <laughs> I do not think this is a spicy take. <laughs> yeah, It's just something I've been percolating on and thinking about as we see his best games every September – and then the returns get worse and worse. And like you said, like, it's a concern if that is a problem. Like, if it's like the cold is impacting the team. Because guess what? It's not warm in Baltimore, Maryland in December. And you know where it's colder? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the state of Ohio, where they still have to go and play divisional games in the next month and a half. It, it, it's just a big concern. And I think something worth keeping an eye on. I don't totally believe it. Lamar's obviously had good games when it's cold. But something to keep an eye on. I, to the point, to your other point though about like your Kenyon Drakes and uh, your Demarcus Robinsons leaving the team in categories and just not having this cohesion, Antonio. This game really made me think for the first time, and I'm curious your all thoughts. That we talked about how good the defense is, but I just do not see this Ravens team as a real Super Bowl contender with this motley crew of skill position players if they're just going to be this inconsistent week to week and we entered the bye we thought they were finding something after two and a half or a game and a half of really strong offensive play and then they played their worst game of the year frankly on offense and so i just don't know what you're left with and and you know i admit like i i am a pessimist so i I gave i think the ravens b's across the board last week when we graded them and now i'm ready to give them an f on offense but uh i i just i just don't see it with this group being like especially you watch sunday night football and you see like what patrick mahomes and the chiefs can do like i'm like where's how are we competing with that team i just don't see it on offense but maybe you know it's it is a weird year i concede that it's a very strange year in the nfl and i do think the ravens have one of the are, are 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 morphing into one of the better defenses in the league which is exciting but i i just don't see it with the offense especially with like how these injury things just linger with this team and 
We'll get into Ronnie Stanley in a second, but I am not holding my breath. We see him at all the rest of the season. Oh, gosh, Tim and I just looking at each other. Who's gonna? Who wants to take this first? <laughs> I have uh, nothing to add. Go ahead. <laughs> they've won four games in a row. I mean, like that's hard to do. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I they're seven and three. They had had a double digit <laughs> lead in this game for the tenth straight game. The the Chiefs lost to the Colts in a game they had no business losing. Uh, the Bills lost two games in a row that made no sense either way. Uh, both of them were at home. At least one of them was at home. And then they figured things out this week. I have no idea. I, I really have no idea. I, I think this Ravens team down the stretch is going to be a team that just week in, week out, figures things out and wins ugly and then ends up with a really top seed. And then you hope that they have the running backs healthy and in the lineup by January. And then that's all really that they need because really in the playoffs you need six catches from Andrews, three catches from somebody else, a couple of Lamar runs, and then 35 other carries from your two running backs. But we haven't seen it. It hasn't happened. They did put up 27 in back-to-back weeks before this game, which you would take offensively, and those were games where they only put in like half performances on offense and scored 27. I go back and forth. There's like, I have an image of the DVD for the Super Bowl winning Ravens, and it's Harbaugh saying, yeah, you know, we always were putting together these 25-minute offensive performances, but we knew we had it. We knew we had it there. We just needed the pieces and the cohesion, and then we knew we were just going to hit hit the ground running uh, when the two running backs got healthy and got in the lineup. And I genuinely see that. And then I also see this team going going to the playoffs and losing at home uh, in the, the wild card round by 20 points because all of a sudden they can't complete a pass and can't get anything done. So that's a wide range for this team. <laughs> it's a 17-game season. It feels like a 25-game season with that one extra game. They have so much time still to figure it out. Maybe that's the whole point. Maybe I'm like now talking out of both sides of my mouth. Maybe that's the whole point with Gus Edwards not playing in this game, even though he could have, but they're afraid because they still have seven other regular season games to go and then the playoffs so i don't know it's frustrating i can i can see this like hazy vision in the future where just get into the playoffs and then like figure it out there because games are going to be weird the season's been weird as jace mentioned nobody's really really good uh the eagles are nine and one and yet all of a sudden they don't look convincing in their past few games so i don't know I don't know who's good. I don't know what any of it means. The NFL is a stupid, rigged entertainment system, <laughs> so none of it matters anyway. Um, yeah, that's that's my answer to that question, Jace. And now um, I feel like I need to like take a walk outside and just like look <laughs> look look at the leaves Thank falling. <laughs> Tim, any uh, anything else to add on that point? <laughs> I just don't see it, man. Like I. I get I the DVD image is a good one, but you know, to put it simply, as much as I think that this defense could potentially lead a, you know, hot streak late into the season, I think the offense is going to ultimately hold this team back in the playoffs and prevent them from lifting the Lombardi. Yeah. Uh let's talk about James Prochet. 
Speaking of offense, he had one drop holding you back. <laughs> he had one drop and one penalty committed. Uh, this is coming off of his personal foul in, I believe, the Bucks game a few weeks ago. Can't have it. Can't play. Can't do it. Can't win with it. Can't coach with it. Can't have it. Can't do it. He can't be in the lineup anymore. You can't, if you're not making any plays whatsoever while also committing penalties as a wide receiver, I'd rather have, like, Benjamin Victor in the lineup than James Prochet. It's very frustrating. I'm even more upset because had he not held, had he just not been on the field, basically, in the fourth quarter, the Ravens kick a field goal and cover the line, and I would have won (laughs) won this pick. But no, he had to be on the field, so he did hold. So they did take the Ravens out of field goal range. Uh preventing points uh, from an offense that can't score. So, I don't like that. I don't like Stanley getting hurt. I don't like Hamilton getting hurt. Of course, as he's hitting his stride, he has to hobble off the field. We record this on Mondays. We don't know yet what the deal is with either injury. There were some words from Harbaugh in a press conference about them being... What was it? Like, not in the clear, but not in the woods. Uh, I didn't use it for the Harbaugh quotes because it was too annoying. Just drum me up a wall, Antonio. We don't have the final word in those things yet, but I would say it's definitely trending in the right direction based on what we know so far. And then he followed up more specifically. He said, Ronnie still has to get an an MRI to get, seems important. So we'll find out the final on that. But it was trending really well last night and this morning. And Kyle, the x-rays look good, so it's trending in the right way. His knee is stable. I do not expect to see these two players again this season, Ugh. based on how the Ravens diagnose and talk about injuries. And, and lie. If, and lie. Yeah, and if for what? That's the thing I don't get. What's the competitive advantage? It's like, oh, the Panthers thought like they would have shut us down even more if they didn't think Gus Edwards was playing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the benefit is to just they like, would have lie to your they would have followed their gap assignments harder if <laughs> if they knew that gus edwards was out it's so frustrating it's so dumb it's why we have harbaugh quotes as a segment on this show now it, it just drove me up a wall the only other thing i did want to touch on on the offense um and the prochet penalty kind of eats into this it's just taking away opportunities i feel like this team just like panics or just like i don't know loses composure whatever the opportunity to get points presents itself and we saw it a lot in this game um they had they punted five different times on the Panthers side of the field where you gain 10 more yards you get I know it was windy I know it was cold I still like Justin Tucker's chances of converting two or three you know 40 yard field goals in that weather he barely misses under 50 yards in his career uh and they couldn't do it. So <laughs> I don't I don't know what that is. They actually moved the ball okay like between like from, like, their own 10 to, like, the 40, and then they just freak out and they get the leg game penalties and Lamar's putting the ball, and uh, it's just a disaster. And uh, it was very annoying. And, yeah, I mean, the sequence, we talked about the blown call and the Morgan Moses face mask was immediately preceded by no one blocking Brian Burns, sacking Lamar into Ronnie Stanley. He got sacked so hard. Is he good, Jace? Is Brian Burns good? (laughs) In fact, the Panthers' best player, some might say, (laughs) it was like just stuff like that just happened throughout throughout the day and it's annoying how do you punt four times five times on the opponent's side of the field it's just an awful team it was drove me up a while that the injury thing just the fact that they keep having injuries i felt so bad for stanley when i saw him i was like that that's season ender and it does sound more positive 
But again, I don't believe a single word this team says when they say David Ajabo and Gus Edwards are probably going to play on the other side of the bye. And then it's just like, oh, it's like, I guess that's shame on me for believing the thing the coach said, like, for two straight weeks. But I don't know. That's <laughs> not to, uh, that's what's bothering Jace this week is the, the Ravens lie, continuing to lie to us about injuries and just the fact that these injuries to major players just keep happening. It's been a vicious cycle for two years now, and it seems like they can't escape. <laughs> it looked bad, too, by the way, like in stadium, yeah. too. It looked it looked like I trust my eyes more than Harbaugh's lips. Uh, that sounded weird, but you get it. Um, yeah. uh, the uh, only they, solace was when it happened in 2020, he had to get carted off. I was like, well, at least he walked off. That's the only way I knew it wasn't a complete break again. But it looked bad on TV, too. Oh, my gosh. The Ravens, 7-3. Winners of fourth yeah, straight. Yeah, they won this game. First place, first place in the AFC North. And we hate it. And it's it was oh. the worst three hours. Uh, Jace, Jace picked it as the worst three hours over three of the losses that the Ravens had this year. Let's move on. It's 40 minutes on this stupid game. Let's move on. It's Jace's turn for the random Raven this week. Jace, who do you have for us? Yeah, so this is a not, the not-too-distant pass we're uh, diving into for this one. Um, so clue number one. This player was selected by the Ravens in the third round of the 2015 NFL Draft. Ugh. The the Iowa standout appeared in 13 games his rookie year in 2015, making three starts before missing the entire 2016 season due to an ankle injury he suffered in the preseason. Clue number three, he returned in 2017, appearing in 15 games, including nine starts. Clue number four, this defensive lineman who wore number 94 during his time with Baltimore was waived by the Ravens ahead of the 2018 season. His final line with the Ravens, 28 games played, 12 starts, 30 tackles, 3 pass deflections, and half a sack. Final clue, he bounced around the NFL for a few years, but has spent the past three seasons on the New England Patriots, and in fact has appeared in every single game this season, which what? astounded me. <laughs> I, I, I think I have the last name, and I can't think of the first name. And I only have this because I remember this is when Jace was working in Iowa, and we drafted <laughs> yes, this was. player, and I was like... Oh, what's the what's the line on this guy? Because it's everybody's like, oh, maybe another steal, and it was really talented, but can't stay out of his own way because his work ethic is really bad. I don't know why I remember that. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering it a little bit, but well, apparently he was a senior week standout, which should shock oh, no one that the Ravens yeah. were interested in him after that, That's, according to his that right. his Wikipedia. That definitely seems like him or his agent wrote. So. Yeah, but <laughs> this extremely handsome defensive lineman had a good right. career. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I have no sense of this. I'm getting worse and worse as time goes on with uh, with the random Ravens. I have a yeah, name, this but guy it did not do much. Yeah, it can't possibly <laughs> be who I'm who I'm thinking of. So uh, I'm gonna lean on Tim <laughs> for this one. We're gonna have Jace go over that again at the end of the show. Let's pivot now to Harbaugh quotes because I was I I like angry researched this week because I was so annoyed at. The talk about Edwards and the practices with Edwards and then him not playing. I got genuinely concerned about this game as a whole when that uh, the inactive list came out. So, I have some quotes. I have two real ones. I have one fake one. Um, and here we go. Quote number one. Uh, when asked about the struggles with the running game. Quote, yeah, obviously you'd like to see a bit more there. They were getting stopped up inside there, but the guys kept battling, and I think you saw improvement as the game went on, but it's definitely something we'll look at. End quote. 
Quote number two. I'm proud of our guys. I think it was a workmanlike win. A team win. It wasn't pretty, but our defense stepped up in a big way. And then quote number three. Yeah, we've been steadily improving all year. And because I think everybody comes to work every day and just tries to communicate and just tries to do their best. When you do that and you work together, you have a chance to improve. And that's basically what guys have done. So I kind of give everybody credit. But we've got a long way to go and we've got a lot of work to do. End quote. Those are the three Harbaugh quotes. Good luck, guys, is all, yeah, <laughs> is all I'm going to say. I think the hardest one yet. Tim, do you have any lean? Um, so many empty platitudes in those three in those three quotes. I, I lean to being fake only because it's just so generic. Like, just so, like, Antonio, and this is, you know, not a slight to him, obviously, because this is the whole point of this exercise. But that's when you, like, research in, like, um, coachesplatitudes.com. And you just like click on the random button, and that's what you get. Something like that. So I I lean to, but again, I mean, it, it's 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 a like looking for a needle in a haystack with this type of crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to too because I was like, would is workman like almost too big a word for John? <laughs> it's like four or five syllables. So uh, yeah, I, I I lean to as well. All right, let's start with quote number three. Yeah, we've been steadily improving all year. And because I think everybody comes to work every day and just tries to communicate and just tries to do their best, period. When you do that and you work together, you have a chance to improve. And that's basically what guys have done. So I kind of give everybody credit, but we've got a long way to go and we've got a lot of work to do. I count like 12 just coach-isms. That's a real quote uh, by John Harbaugh. He like led with that in his like post-game presser i think uh let's see quote number i'm gonna go to quote number one yeah obviously you'd like to see a bit more there they were getting stopped up inside there but the guys kept battling and i think you saw improvement as the game went on but it's definitely something we'll look at that is a fake quote john harbaugh did not say that he did actually say i'm proud of our guys i think it was a workmanlike win a team win it wasn't pretty but our defense stepped up in a big way. A real quote by Coach John Harbaugh. Man. Oh, boy. Man. What a guy. <laughs> it's frustrating. It's it's frustrating. Did you guys see the quote of uh, today uh, as we record about um, Lamar and punting the ball in practice? I did see uh, that. I almost used it again, and I thought that was too visible. <laughs> well, so, yeah, he said... He, he does it in practice. It's probably my fault for tolerating it in practice sometimes. So I'm going to tell him it's my fault, so we won't do it in practice anymore. Which jogged my head, like, are they taking delay of game penalties in practice? <laughs> that, that was, like, my concern. I was like, what's going on here? We're not getting the play called against ourselves? Like, that was... I had the just... ultimate fan theory on this, and we don't have to get into this, but this was... I, I don't... I don't know how to put this without sounding like a jerk, and I don't want to sound like a jerk. But you know when you go to the stadium, you're like, oh, these are like the hardcore, hardcore, like, live and die on the result type of people. And we're all kind of the same way, too. But you get it when you go there, and it's people like, (laughs) this is it. And these are the same people that come up with some crazy theories on this team. 
There is a theory going around uh, within the halls of M&T Bank Stadium, and that is obviously a generalization, so clearly that I don't mean everybody uh, with that, but there's a generalization, or a theory, excuse me, that they intentionally get the play call to Lamar late so he can't change the play. Now, <laughs> ridiculous. Antonio's shaking his head like, why are you even bringing this up on this podcast? But No, I, I like you bringing it up. It's just so stupid that they that that's a real theory. <laughs> that, that's what... that is the reason for the delay oh. of games, and that is the reason for, like, we didn't even talk about it. At the, at the end of the first quarter, when, first of all, you decide to receive the ball, and then all you do is pass, and then you have to immediately punt it. Two minutes left, 90 seconds left in the first half, and they're huddling and taking their time when they're deep in their own territory when it's like, guys, maybe try and do anything. Do something. It's like the meme where they're poking at the stick. Like, do something. Do something. <laughs> and they're taking their sweet time. Uh, so, yeah, that was just part, part of that theory as well. That Oh, yeah, no, they want they don't want Lamar to get the play, and they don't want him to read the defense, and they don't want him to make a necessary change if he sees it. So, you know, a little food for thought there, guys. Uh, I love the Ravens fan base. I'm going to assume that uh, dovetails into if we sabotage him just enough, we can afford to keep him. Like, that'll make him play right, worse. Right, And then we can pay him, but maybe we'll still win these games against bad teams. I just so. <laughs> <sighs> you know, Huntley can make all the throws that Lamar can make. I don't know I don't know if you guys knew that. He's just, he's waiting in the wings, uh, and he could step in and lead this team at any moment. All right, that's it for Harbaugh quotes. Let's turn to the NFL. And uh, and we're gonna do our saddest team of the week. It might be the Ravens, but it, you know they're seven and three, so we can't do that. Uh, I'm gonna go first here because uh, I think it's gonna lead into Jace's segment as well. So uh, I was gonna do the Jets. I was gonna say it could be the Jets for me because um, giving up three points to your big brother and then still losing on a last second punt return. Literally, last second, with 20 seconds left, punt return, touchdown to lose 10-3 isn't great. But I'm going to pick the the Los Angeles-San Diego football Chargers. Because speaking of big brothers, (laughs) the Chargers had a home game against the Kansas City Chiefs to make a run at the AFC West. I say, you know, I put run in quotes. Uh, I don't think many people were going to give them a chance, even with a win. But if you want to contend... Uh, in the AFC West, you're going to have to beat the Chiefs at some point during the season, and the home game is the one that you need to have. They had the Sunday night matchup. They played a good game. They did all the right things. Uh, They get the touchdown late to go up four with less than two minutes. The Chiefs started this game without McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster, lose Kadarius Toney after like three plays, and so, of course, the Chiefs then go down the field in less than two minutes and win on a last-minute touchdown from Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Maybe, maybe double Kelsey on the last drive of the game when he's the last real skill position player that they have left. Rinse, repeat, the AFC West race is over. Uh, the Chiefs 8-2, and two, the Chargers 5-5, five and five. Um, and the AFC West is over. And so the Chargers, sure. They could still make it to the playoffs. They could still grab a wild card. They have to be the like most talent, fewest wins team in the NFL. Maybe the Broncos could could make a run for that title, but they were the darlings again in in the offseason to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and they are going to struggle to make it to the postseason at all. Uh, and they're the saddest team because they can't do it. 
can't climb the mountain might end up with losing t- losing record uh, by the end of the season, even though they have a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's my status team. Jace, you're gonna go with my maybe my prior my prior team. Yes, I I, I do think it's the the status is the Jets. I will say on the Chiefs, you know, you mentioned uh, that was Kelsey's third touchdown on the night the game winner. So you think they'd be covering him a little better. Uh, and exactly how they lost last year. A Kelsey touchdown in overtime, how they lose in their building last season that effectively keeps them out of the playoffs. I will say the one smart thing I did is I did not buy into the Chargers hype based on the entire history of the Chargers, and I feel vindicated uh, in that. But, um, yes, I do think the saddest is the Jets. I want to just make mention of the Rams, who are now 3-7. and seven. Looks like Matt Stafford's going to be out, might be out, um, kind of, you know some weird does he have a concussion does he not things going on with him uh but they're three and seven and on pace to be the first defending champs with a losing record since the 2003 bucks not great i don't even know if you can consider them the saddest because i think being the worst team in the nfl is kind of their goal but the houston texans are an abominable one eight and one and had five yards of offense in the first half against the commanders um so they deserve just a passing mention but I do think the answer is the Jets, Antonio. And I think what makes them... Uh, cause, I mean, losing on a, a punt return touchdown that late was brutal, um, obviously. It's, it was kind of... But I think that was just kind of the exclamation point on what was just a disastrous um, day overall. Uh, so the Jets in this game, they have 103 total yards of offense, which is the, the worst in the NFL this season. Uh, just 103 yards. And they had just two yards of offense in the second half. Um, of this game Zach Wilson went 9 for 22 for 77 yards and then the thing that you know has kind of set the the sports media social uh, radio space on fire today uh, is he said um, he had the audacity to say that the offense did not let the Jets defense down when the Jets defense gave up three points the entire game and he mustered 103 yards and again two just two one two yards in the second half um, to the point where uh, wide receiver, rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson basically called him out, just not by name after the game. Uh, there were multiple expletives involving uh, <laughs> members of the Jets about how the offense played. And as we record today, uh, Jets coach Robert Sala has basically not committed to starting Zach Wilson this week. And so I think that's why the Jets are the worst, because they are out on Wilson, and that means they are out uh, looking for a QB once again, I know we touched on it the last time they played the Patriots, but this game, even though he somehow didn't have a turnover, was even more disastrous. The Patriots dropped a couple pick opportunities, uh, including a very, what should have been a, a jaunt uh, for Devin McCourty. <laughs> it looked like he was the intended target. It, it was just so bad. And yeah, I think like the, the punt return is just puts it over the edge that that's how you lose. But I, I think it's everything involving Zach Wilson that for me makes the Jets the saddest team just because it's the, the fan base is out on Wilson after this week and I don't know that you can unless he makes a big improvement I, I don't see how he gets him back and then yeah just big brother little brother Patriots 14 straight wins uh, over the New York Jets it's the longest active streak of one team beating another team in the NFL so not great all around for the Jets and, I mean the not taking accountability thing when you have more punts than completions and then basically just answering in the press conference like no, no, it wasn't our fault. Why would you even ask me that? Uh, it's petulant because he's a child and does not have the maturity to handle an NFL locker room, and they're turning against him. So I think that is just well, horrendous. And, and you see 
the spe- the Jets special teamer who like missed the main tackle, like the gunner, basically. Yeah. He was like crying in the locker room yeah. about, and he said he lost the game. Meanwhile, your number two overall pick is saying, "I'm not to blame for 77 passing yards." It couldn't just, be me. It was a, I, we talked about all, the Ravens' offense being a disgrace. This was whatever a disgrace times ten was. That was what the and Jets thing. And the thing with that is too, you know, Lamar would be the first one to take like take. Yeah. Cr- credit's the wrong word but but put his hand up and say we didn't do well enough um and you've heard that multiple times and yeah to just have zach wilson and it for a good team a good team that's being wasted a very very good defense a lot of skill players on the offensive side a defense decent offensive line it's a complete waste i do just want to mention very quickly um and again as i told the guys i didn't really see a ton of nfl stuff because i was freezing watching a 13-3 <laughs> ravens panthers game but the Rams discussion now has gotten to the point where the whole F them picks thing from Les Snead was funny and good for you. It got you one Super Bowl. That team is very, very close to just being very bad for a very long time. Uh, as we record this, uh, Pro Football Talk has reported that Matt Stafford is back in concussion protocol after just exiting on Friday. They don't have a first round pick for a very, very long time because they keep trading him away. They're probably way over the cap here coming soon because of all the stars they have to pay. There is no feasible way out for the Los Angeles Rams, and they keep losing, keep losing, keep losing, and they don't have, you know, the reward for that, quote-unquote, is a high first-round pick. Well, they don't have that, and so they could be in trouble for a long time. That's that's the bet they made, though, right? Like, if I, I don't, I go back and forth with this on, like, would they do the exact same thing? As, as they did it, if they had another chance with the you Super Bowl. You did win the Super Bowl. Like, the goal was accomplished, but... That's why the NFL is is rigged because they got that new stadium and you know team in the new city and they knew they were going to fall apart so they had to give them a Super Bowl in LA uh, to make everything else uh, everything else worth it but yeah they they are going to struggle obviously for the next five or so years I'm going to assume that they trade away some big names and try to get some picks back but that is harder to do in the NFL than maybe some other sports. Um, a couple other random tidbits. The Minnesota Vikings are eight and two and have a negative point differential. I I don't understand how that's possible. And then I look through it and I think they're six and zero oh in one score games and then have gotten blown out pretty much in their two losses. That team, you talk about not knowing what the Ravens are going to look like in the playoffs. No idea what the Vikings are going to be week to week. Um, beat the Bills in Buffalo, lost by thirty seven at home to the Cowboys. They're a strange team. Uh, and then for the Jets, Jace, I I want to see backup quarterback Joe Flacco jump in and save the day and make a playoff run for that team, but I don't think he's even the second string. I think he's the third string well, now with healthy Mike White. What? Yeah, what? that was what? weird. They did that several weeks ago when White was healthy and then Wilson was back. They made Wilson the starter and demoted Flacco to third string, even though by all accounts he's probably the best quarterback on the team. Uh, I don't get what they're doing there. I assume that was almost a vote of confidence for Zach Wilson, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing I think that's really hurts with this Jets team is I think, I, like Tim said, their defense is legitimately great. Sauce Gardner is going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, and he's already one of the best corners in the NFL. They have a really good thing going. They have great skill position players. Obviously, Brees Hall got hurt, but like Garrett Wilson, rookie, they have several first and second year receivers. Their line's okay. It's not a disaster, but... Yeah, Wilson's Wilson's just awful, and he, he's costing a team that could make the playoffs. Uh, they had a chance to be first in the AFC East with a win 
on Sunday, and now they're in eighth in the conference. So it's it's just you know it's it, it, you hit a point where you're like, yes, we should try to develop or at least see if Wilson has even an inkling of potential. But I think personally that ship's passed. I, I just don't see it with him. After the Ravens lost to the Giants, I like rage said that, and it was at peak friskiness for both New York teams, and I was so annoyed at the loss to a bad team that I said neither New York team is going to make the playoffs. And it's possible now. It's in play for both of them, and I hope I end up being right about that by the end of the season. All right, let's turn now to the Ravens. they got to play another football game, another Sunday, 1 p.m., on the road against a bad team. What's going to happen? Who knows? They're traveling to Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to spoiler alert quickly. The line is Ravens by four. I have talked myself into Ravens by four because I looked up the weather and it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. And that's like a major factor for how I'm making my pick this week. So that's where I'm at on this team. Uh, Let's start with the Ravens offense against the Jaguars defense. I mean, just pull up the tape that I've said for the last three weeks about the Ravens offense. Can they run the ball? Can they control the clock? The only addition I will add is, can they find rhythm? Can we get a different ref crew in this week? Can they should they can they go no huddle? We've talked about this other years, I feel like, when the offense was just sort of stuck in the mud. Um, can we get some no huddle? Can we get Gus Edwards in the lineup and maybe get him 15 carries? That'd be nice. No idea on Stanley's status. I'm going to go ahead and say all three of us are on the 99% not seeing Stanley this week, so that'll have an impact in the run game. Can we get rhythm? Can we score points? Can the Ravens score 20 in this game? Let's. I'll use that as the uh, pitch to you guys for the Ravens' offense against the Jags' team. Man, I don't know about that. 20 seems like a lot. Uh, yeah, the Stanley thing is a massive miss. I, I just I don't think he's going to play. If, if Gus is anywhere, if Gus plays, I'm way more confident about this team. Um but I also think that you got to look on the defensive side of the ball for, for the Jaguars, and they've got some dudes. I mean, Trayvon Walker went number one overall for a reason. He is an athletic freak. Josh Allen having a good season as well on the other side. Those two guys can really get after the passer. They're, they're, they're freakishly long, quick, fast, uh, and you got to be able to protect. And they also were kind of those type of guys who, you know, not, not – has the best chance to keep up with Lamar Jackson. We'll put it that way. Uh, Devin Lloyd as well. Another first round pick for them who has been stellar so far. So they've got some dudes on this defense. The Ravens have to figure out how to contain those dudes uh, while also trying to expose them. I don't, I don't know that all this, all, all I'm saying right now is yeah, not very confident in the, in the 20 points here. Um, You can, you can limit those guys, especially by running the ball effectively. Do I believe the Ravens can do that as Monday as we record? I have no idea. Well, that was what was concerning for me is is how bad the running was before Stanley right. got hurt. It wasn't like he was hurt in the fourth or first quarter. He was hurt well into the second half. And, you know, the Panthers' bottom 10 run defense, the Jaguars are 10th against the run, significantly better than the Panthers. They've given up, like, over 400 less yards than the Panthers have on the ground this year. Um so that concerns me, yeah. I, and, uh, you know, we mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned, the, the only play that even seemed to work 
for the Ravens uh, in, in, in the game against the Panthers was when they do that like little delayed handoff where they like Lamar like drops back and then like spins and hands and like draw play almost. It's that was like the only success they had. They ran it to Justin Hill or Justice Hill a bunch, uh, but they were getting like nothing. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I I'll admit I didn't rewatch the game because I was so just put off by the whole experience of watching it the first time <laughs> that, uh, but it, it was, it was bad. So yeah, I mean, as Tim said, like Trevon Walker, great run defender and they got some pieces. And, and so I have real concerns. I think certainly not to spoil my pick, but if they put up a very similar, uh, offensive performance, they're not winning this game, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, for some, I don't know what, maybe I had a, had a good day today in my life. I don't know. So I'm I'm envisioning Edwards in this lineup, and that's kind of what I'm going off of. The guy that falls forwards and gets five yards per carry is going to help the inevitable Stanley absence. Um, and then the weather helps Lamar, and he's able to throw the ball on both sides of a football field and maybe scramble a little bit more with more confidence. Whatever flu-like symptoms he may or may not have had, those will have subsided. Um, gosh. Okay, uh, Ravens defensively against the Jaguars' offense. Obviously, we all have way more confidence in this side of the ball and in this unit specifically in this matchup. The Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence have had success moving the ball up and down the field all season and then explode in the red zone in a negative way. Um, I kind of think we're going to see both, like the best of both worlds with this defense that we've had the last month or so. I think the Jags are going to struggle to move the ball up and down field, and I also think they're going to make, or they're going to force the turnovers that the Jaguars have been happy to make uh, in the sort of worst moments of the game or in the worst positions on the field. Ravens have to be ready and opportunistic. If we have the dropped interceptions that have have plagued this team on occasion and stretches, that is not going to work uh, with the offensive production that we've seen from this team for us in the last couple of weeks, so... I'm confident in the defensive side of this game, keeping it at least close throughout the game. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to where you guys are with that match. Coming off a bye, you'll have to see if there's any adjustments made from the Jaguars, and I think that's interesting. Uh, but I agree with you. I think the Ravens have the talent to contain. I just look at, you know, just look at dude v. dude on this. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, the combination of the three of those in any way, shape, or form. The likes of Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and the rest of that defensive secondary, I trust to stop any of those guys. Evan Ingram, I think that's a Roquan Smith shutdown. Patrick Queen possibly as well. And the same for Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, a hell of a player. And his, in his second year, coming off an injury, good for him. This Ravens rush defense is going to be too good to, for that guy to, to have any sort of day. I think this is another, you know, we'll talk about it later. I think this is another defensive-dominated game for the Ravens, and that's the reason that they are not only in it, but probably, for my money, winning this football game uh, because it's just another sloppy, sloppy game that the defense it just feasts on a relatively inexperienced unit in Jacksonville. It's that inexperience I think that really shines through for the Jaguars because they, they 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 are talented as we talked about because they're they are they're three and seven but they do they're the opposite Vikings they're three and seven but they have a positive point differential so like this is like a talented team they're not getting run out of games uh, all but one of their losses is by one score 
Um, so they're going to hang around. And even that that one, that two-score game was against the Chiefs, and they had multiple chances to cut it to one score and had some things go against them. But you're right, Trevor Lawrence, he's been efficient lately, over 72% uh, completion in his past two games. Can still be porn to, for, uh, to force it, as we said, and, and critical turnovers and critical moments. But also, I think he will push the ball down the field a little more than certainly Baker did uh, on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have certainly more concern with him and just the Jaguars' offense as a whole than I did entering the Panthers game. As for ETN, as you mentioned, Tim, he'd ripped off three straight 100-yard games, but then the Chiefs shut him down completely, which was kind of surprising given the Chiefs. And, I, I like, you know, the Ravens have, once again, one of the best run defenses in the NFL. They're up to third. So I do like their chances of keeping him under wraps, uh, especially with Rokon Smith uh, manning the middle now. Um but, but I think Lawrence at least has the potential to burn them. But I agree, he, he, the, 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 just the mistakes in the big moments are what cost the Jags. And if the Ravens can take advantage of them when presented, I think they, they could yeah, obviously get some takeaways this game. Yeah, I don't know. This Jags team has been so confusing. You know, spoiler alert, uh, I haven't done, I haven't watched a ton of Jacksonville football what? this season. They're so, not getting the A crew a lot on yeah. CBS. Uh, so to prep for this, I just burned through the like, 10, 12-minute highlight clips of a couple of their last few games. And they are, man, the definition of one step forward, two steps back. Or two steps forward, buy a jetpack, put it in reverse, and just explode <laughs> 50 yards backwards. They look good, and then they Lawrence will take a terrible sack strip sack he'll try to make a play they're on the five yard line and he'll try to force a ball into double cover it's like picked a yard in front of him and he's done that more than once and then you see him just do the like oh my god like you get the yeah he got a test result back and it's like a 45 percent and it's just the head slumps down at the test result they're three and seven for me this is my very unscientific analysis after 10 games you are what you are. They're a three and seven football team that makes a ton of mistakes. Maybe they're excited about the future with a, a couple of young pieces, but it is not this day. Uh, to to quote Aragorn from the Lord of the <laughs> Rings, it is not this day. They're a bad mistake prone team. The de- the Ravens defense will take advantage of that. It sounds stupid, but I think the weather is going to help this Ravens offense. Just not freeze, not have Lamar Jackson throw the coat on every two seconds and wear the, like, 18 layers that he does when it gets even a tiny bit chilly. Um, And I think they're going to win, like, 20 to 10, 23, 16, something like that. Uh, I envision Jacksonville going for it on fourth down in a couple of spots where a field goal maybe would help them, and then they don't get it, and that helps keep the Ravens' lead large enough. They continue the 10-point lead streak uh, in this in this ridiculous season, and they end up covering this this four-point line. Had it been six, six and a half, I would have hesitated, but four is just low enough to where the mistakes in Jacksonville are going to be enough for this Ravens team to uh, to win by a touchdown in the end. I love your optimism, Antonio. Uh, I, I thought. Panthers plus 12, I thought, or 12, 12 and a half by the time it closed, I think. I thought that was the lock of the year <laughs> last week. I was like, I think I even said on the show, the Ravens will win by 10, but not cover. Um, 
And I'm picking the, the Ravens to win and not cover again. I see a, a three-point win, a late Tucker field goal, um, or, or pr- probably more specifically knowing how the season's gone. The Ravens are leading by 10 and give up a touchdown with about 40 seconds to go uh, and then have to recover an onside kick. I just, I can't believe, I, 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 after what we watched on Sunday, I just can't abide by a team covering a four-point spread on the road like that, if that's how they played. So... Well, I probably have egg in my face, I'm going to assume, but uh, I'm picking against the Ravens uh, this week. Yeah, Sam. Everything Jay said. Jags plus four, <laughs> Ravens win. All right, let's go through the rest of our picks. Last week, I had a couple of bad beats. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I maintain, when Jason and I talked about this before we started recording, lock of the week with 12 and a half. The Ravens had maybe eight opportunities to make that a 13-point win as opposed to a 10-point win. Uh, it's it's just James Prochet's fault. If he just doesn't <laughs> hold once, this is a 13-point win and the Ravens cover. But they do not. That's okay. So I, I lost that pick. Uh, and then my three-team teaser. I lost. I picked two of the games correctly. And then I had in the third game the Eagles to win by one and a half against the Colts. And they won that game by one point. So that's a three-team teaser that loses by half of a football point. That hurts. Uh, It hurts to have that. Won the Cincinnati pick, so one and two on the week. 20 and 14 on the season. Taking the Ravens, again, minus four. Uh, I was going to say, but I'm going first, so I'm going to say it first and then let my my two co-hosts talk about it. They both are taking Titans plus one and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm just jumping on the train with the two of them. I don't really like it. I don't really believe in it, purely because Ravens fans can't have nice things. So of course Cincinnati is going to keep winning and keep pace with the Ravens in the AFC North. But I'm, I'm going against it. I'm going with my two co-hosts. Uh, the Titans cover this plus one and a half. Dare I say, they win the game against the Bengals. And the Ravens have some breathing room in the AFC North. And then two other picks. The Dolphins are 12.5-point favorites at home to the Houston Texans. That's a lot of points, but the Dolphins' offense is going to score in this game. They're going to score fast, and they're going to score often. I have watched more of the Texans than I ever thought I would. (laughs) They are a two-steps-back-and-then-three-steps-back football team. They are atrocious. That's a big number. I think the Dolphins win this by, by 20 points. Um, so I'm taking that minus 12 and a half line. And then my final pick, the Seattle Seahawks at home, three and a half point favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders. This line doesn't make sense to me. The Seahawks have been good all year at this point, And I think this is disrespect that they are getting against the Raiders football team that had to go to overtime to beat the Broncos last week. They're just bad, uh, it's it's the Devontae Adams show, and that's it. I think the Seahawks win that game by a touchdown. I love that the line is only three and a half for a Seahawks team at home, where that is going to be loud, uh, raucous. They are a football team trying to win the West, trying to go to the postseason. Um, so I'm taking the Seahawks, minus three and The half. disrespect is an interesting point to jump off with the Titans when you mentioned the Seahawks. For the Seahawks, I looked at that, and I... I despise the Raiders um, I think they're just a bad team uh, they get way too much love but I, the Seahawks maybe because they're on the on a bye 
so maybe I'm just like, you know what? Maybe this is like the slip for them, what have you. But I, but I agree. I, I, if they, if I had to take a side, it'd be the Seahawks. But the disrespect is why I'm taking the Titans, uh, plus one point five. Th- they should not be an underdog to the Cincinnati Bengals. The continued disrespect for the Tennessee Titans, who might be the best coach team in football with Mike Frabel. They can muck it up and win an ugly game. Uh, they're not afraid of a high, high-powered offense in the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think this is the last time that we see the Titans. Uh, underdogs to a team that they are actually significantly better than so give me the titans plus one and a half at home to cincy and then i went back and forth on this i should say last week one panthers one titans and then i pushed on the bears and i'm going back to the well with the bears i had the bears originally here and then i looked and i saw oh man we could get the falcons plus four and a half away to washington who those teams are just even and i don't really understand that even though washington's gotten some nice wins recently albeit one of them against those Texans that Antonio mentioned. Uh, For me, though, this New York Jets thing is weird. It's not good. Everybody hates the quarterback, and they're still sticking with the quarterback, and yet they're four-and-a-half-point favorites to a team that, yeah, I get it, isn't great, but can do enough stuff to cause an early upset or cause a game that should be closer than it should be. Uh, It doesn't look like Justin Fields dislocated his shoulder, at least according to what the Bears are saying. So if he plays, if he's healthy, if he's fine – Give me Bears plus four and a half away to a Jets side that if they end up even losing that game, things could go from bad to very, very bad to even worse incredibly quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I, as we all said, I'm with you on the Titans uh, plus one and a half. I mean, you go into Lambeau Field on a short week and Ryan Tannehill goes for over 300 yards. You have 10 days to prepare and you're an underdog in your own building at seven and three. I just don't understand it. I know, know the Bengals went in there and won in the playoffs last year, but a lot of things had to happen. The Titans blew like an 11 point lead in that game. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. Uh, they sacked Burrow almost 10 times in that game. So, uh, I, and the Titans defensive line still nasty. Jeffrey Simmons, I think is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, yeah, I'm with you all. It's just disrespect for the Titans at this point. And, of course, they're because we're all on them, they will lose this game. Um, so keep that in mind uh, if you are a gambling person. But uh, um, my other pick, I believe the Detroit Lions, plus nine wow. and a half at home on Thanksgiving Day against the Buffalo Bills. Antonio, you're shaking your head at me. This, this have you have you watched the Lions on Thanksgiving? They like eat the meal on the sideline during the game. They lose every one of those games by forty. Yes, and they're not going to win this game. But can they cover nine and a half? I think so. They're playing really well. The Lions have won three straight games. This is the most momentum they've ever had entering a Thanksgiving game. There's actually going to be you know full fans there. There wasn't in 2020 and. The Lions stunk last year, so I think it'll be at least a, a energetic uh, atmosphere. And I, I think maybe the the Bills are getting a little too cozy in Detroit. Have you thought about that? They're in Detroit all week, and I'm sure it's beautiful weather <laughs> out on up there in Michigan. This all week. I know uh, is it's Bills just, in a dome again against yeah. that Lions defense. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Nine and a half, I believe. I, is it a smart pick? I don't think so. But I want I, you want to root for something fun on Thanksgiving. So. Okay. I will eat turkey and crow uh, if I end up losing <laughs> that pick. We'll go over it next week uh, for sure. Um, all right. Those are all the picks, right, Jace? That was your last uh, Yes, yes. Your last and, one. Uh, Jags, uh, Titans, and 
the, my foolish lines, Ben. <laughs> All right. Last thing to do is go over the random raven. Jace, can you give us those clues? Can you give Tim those clues one more time, please? <laughs> uh, so, yes. Yeah, so uh, clue number one, this player was selected by the Ravens in the third round of the 2015 NFL Draft. The Iowa standout appeared in 13 games his rookie year in 2015, making three starts before missing the entire 2016 season due to an ankle injury. He returned in 2017, appearing in 15 games, including nine starts. Clue number four. This defensive lineman, who wore number 94 during his time with Baltimore, was waived by the Ravens ahead of the 2018 season. His final line with the Ravens, 28 games played, 12 starts, 30 tackles, three pass deflections, and half a sack. Uh, this uh, defensive lineman bounced around the NFL for a few years, but has spent the past three seasons on the New England Patriots, where he's appeared. he appeared in all 17 games last year and every game this season. So, does his first name start with either a C or an E, Jace? It does start oh, with a C. Oh, C. Okay. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to go, because I kept thinking in my head, Carlton Davis, but that is the player who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to go simpler. I'm going to say Carl Davis. It's just Carl. Carl Davis. Let's go. Defensive lineman out of the University of Iowa, one of their senior leaders my first year working at the Des Moines Register. Uh, Yeah, did not make much of an impact on the Ravens. I assume not in the NFL. Not only is he in the NFL. He's been on the Patriots the last three seasons and has played every game the last two. So it doesn't get in a ton, but he's started two games this year, four games last year. <laughs> so, you know, good on him. He's making an NFL career. But, uh, yeah, uh, not enough of an impact that it makes him not a random Raven, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a fantastic pick. All I could think of the whole time was Lawrence Guy, but that wasn't right. <laughs> he'll, he'll be on the list at yeah. some point. <laughs> Just because I remember, like, oh, he was okay with the Ravens and then was just a dude on the Pats forever. But He might still be on the Patriots, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, I'll be doing a deep dive into him after the show. All right. Um, uh, he is on the Patriots still. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, well, that's a fantastic choice. Carlton, parentheses, Carl Davis, uh, former random Raven. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us, uh, unless my co-hosts have anything else that they want to jump in and say. To the Baltimore Ravens football team, just an easy one. 30-10. Would love to see it. Uh, let's go for five in a row. Let's go for the AFC North. Let's go for a top seed in the AFC. Whatever. Try to put some stuff together. We will be back next week to break it all down for you. For Tim Horsey and Jay Evans, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us, as always, on Pod Like a Raven. Have a great Thanksgiving. We will see you next week.